successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us on the KMBZ Business Channel 1660 AM and online at KMBZ.com. My name is Jason Grill. I'm your host alongside... Guest co-host and contributor Grill Nation, a Grill National himself, Andrew Bash from the Bash Group. Jason, how are you? I'm good, man. Great day. Great day to be in studio. It is we, nice we, day. we took a little break and had a best of show last week, so I'm excited to be back on uh, back in the studio. Where were, where were you last week that you had to take uh, a break? I did a California dreaming trip. Went to San Diego, L.A., and uh, San Francisco. But in between is where I, I found that I was the happiest in cities like Big Sur. Big Sur, California. Which, which which I didn't know that we had a connection. You actually proposed to your wife there. I did. <laughs> and I was surprised to hear that you didn't come back and repeat what I did with your girlfriend. That yes, I, yes. Which who I finally met this weekend, which was nice to run into you uh, at the, the movie. We, we, attended, we attended the Planetary event, which we had uh, Mike Lundgren from VML on and the, the executive producer. Uh, interesting event. I... Uh, I like the aerial shots. The movie was interesting. I, it was cool because they did have parts of Big Sur and of California that I was just in. Well, it was funny that I told you, asked you, did you go to Pfeiffer Beach? And you said, no, we didn't get by there. And then it was in the movie towards the end, which was pretty fascinating. Yeah, it is. And I I now have since Googled it. And uh, I'm mad that I didn't go. The view is amazing. Well, now you can go back. Yeah. So we uh, we ran into each other on Saturday at that event. That was fun. Had dinner at a good local establishment. Yeah, you know, uh, local hadn't been there for a while. Love so, the houses back there in that that vicinity. Yeah, we did a house tour at uh, about eleven thirty at night. <laughs> we knocked on a couple doors, but nobody would let us in, and there were no signs up there. So we'll have to go back during daytime hours. No, it was it was really cool. All right, but like, let's go back to the movie for one second, since Mike was on the show, and you know, the whole planetary thing. What, you, aerial shots? That's what that's what you got out of the movie. Uh, was no, aerial I, shots. I didn't get that. Was a joke. Um, I thought it was cool. I uh, I enjoyed. The astronaut, they got up and spoke. Uh, the mayor was there. Uh, I Sometimes those movies are a little bit too deep for me, Andrew, to be honest. I uh, It's times like this where people wonder how you and I became friends. Because you're talking <laughs> about the mayor, mayor and I'm talking about the, the interconnection of everything. But yeah, I, I, It's a good balance. I got the interconnection. I got it. I just didn't quite understand um, a lot of the people that were speaking. I... I had no idea what they were talking about. Really? At, at some points. Most yeah. of the time I did, but I was just trying to figure out, okay, wh- where's this where's this going to go? Are we is this going to end now? Are we going to continue moving on? It was it was an interesting movie for sure. Well, I think, you know, the whole astronaut, the Ron Garan guy and, and the idea of getting an opportunity to see planet Earth from millions of miles or whatever it is above I I don't I'm not a science guy, so I can't remember the number, but mm-hmm. way up up above us and to consider the fact that it's one space or place where all of us are existing together and it's a tall order to try to figure out a way for all of us to get along to that was interesting yeah i really enjoyed it i know you and my wife i think your girlfriend and i enjoyed it more than (laughs) my wife and you but that's they did have a boulevard product and wine there too which was nice and i hadn't been to the folly theater in a while It's Um, it's a nice venue it really is it was sold out they had 900 people at the event it was cool so, anyways, uh, back in the saddle here in Kansas City. Always, always interesting to come back from uh, paradise, but get back to the grind here. Well, real quickly, back to California. So, then, what was your favorite part of your trip to California? Because you did the Highway One drive, probably that and Pebble Beach. Yeah, I, I do. I did like all the baseball games we got to go to. I went to a Padres game, Dodgers game, and a Giants game. Those stadiums out there, are incredible. And I joked about as long as you didn't wear your Giants uniform or hat at the Dodgers Stadium, you didn't get beat to death, which well, is great. Do- that's the thing. Dodgers Stadium was one of the nicest. We were treated the nicest there of any of the stadiums. So if, I think if you have decent seats and you're not in the bleachers, you'll be fine. That or stadium was awesome. Stay away from the parking lot after the game as well, which... Well, we did fine. I'm kidding. Such Dodgers a stereotype. 
Um, we we got to get to our show here, uh, Andrew. We want to thank our sponsors and supporters of the show first. Kenny Hertz Perry. John Kenny Hertz is a guest co-host. You can find more information about them at KennyHertzPerry.com. Obviously, Andrew Bash, who's in studio today, once a month, the Bash Group uh, Real Estate. He's the top one in Kansas City. Ryan Maybe, the Rigger Grill Hotel and Exchange. Jay Rigger & Co. Whiskey. He is a guest co-host and contributor. Catalyst Government Affairs. Danny Pfeiffer, who will be on the show today, actually. And the Kansas City Power and Light District. Uh, great, great organization. Um, we're going to have, go into our first interview here. We're going to have, uh, Lisa Meisel from the Child Protection Center talking about the Cook for Courage event coming up on May 31st. This is one of the coolest events in Kansas City to raise money for a great cause. It takes place at the, uh, 12th Street Bridge in the West Bottoms barbecue, uh, by some of the best chefs here in Kansas City. So, uh, very excited for that interview, Andrew, aren't you? I am excited, and I've, I've gone to some other events put on by uh, the CPC, and they're an amazing organization. Let's get into our first interview today, Andrew. We have Lisa Mizell, who is the CEO of the Child Protection Center, which has a exciting event coming up. Um, the Child Protection Center does great work here in Kansas City, but they have their second annual uh, Cook for Courage barbecue event on May 31st. went to this event last year, so I'm really excited to have uh, Lisa on the show today. It's a uh, it's a really cool event here in Kansas City. So, Lisa, welcome to Grill Nation. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Why don't we uh, give our listeners a little uh, intro, I guess you would say, on what the Child Protection Center does here in Kansas City? Sure. The Child Protection Center provides forensic interviews for children who've been sexually or physically abused or witnessed any other kind of a violent act or traumatic occasion. On average, we serve Jackson and Cass County. On average, we see over 800 children a year. Where are you guys located in Kansas City? We're in the Children's Mercy Building at 31st and Broadway. Mm -hmm. And you guys you guys are very, I think, pretty well known in Kansas City for the work you do. Recently, you've, um, you've started this event, this Cook for Courage event. Let's, let's get into that and tell us a little bit about that. Sure. The Cook for Courage is a really exciting event. It is very fun, as you know from being there last year. Um, we have six award-winning, uh, many of them James Beard award-winning chefs that will cook their own cake on Kansas City Barbecue and provide a side dish for everyone. We also have a patron's party, and Alex Pope from Cleveland Cork will provide all the appetizers for the patron's party. Um, this year we have Jason Wiggin from Sporting Kansas City, John Smith from Pig & Finch Gastro Pub, Colby Garrett from Blue Stem and Rye, Howard Hanner from The Rieger, uh, Patrick Ryan from Fort Fonda, and Jonathan Justice from Justice Drugstore. So I think we have a really good lineup this year. That's a that's a pretty serious lineup there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something, Lisa, that nobody's done before, I don't feel like. I mean, we always, you know, when you travel, obviously people think of Kansas City for barbecue, but I don't know if many Kansas Cityans have ever tried barbecue from you know, Colby and Geralt's of the world, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And one of the cool things that you guys do is you let um, the people that are there kind of pick and choose, too. It's not just the, the judges. You're going to have a, a celebrity judges, which we'll right. get to in a second. But you also have uh, the people that are there get kind of a fan vote, if you will, right? That's right. The three winners from last year are back. Everybody that's there will have an opportunity to judge on best side and best ribs. And then we have a celebrity panel celebrity panel that also judges everything. So all of the chefs have an opportunity to win, and everybody has a voice in who wins as the best uh, ribs and the best side dish. And last year it was Colby and Howard and Patrick that won. Yeah, so they, they've all agreed to come back and compete again this year. They did, and I, I actually we're going to have Colby on the show here. I believe in the next couple of weeks, him and his wife to talk about their restaurants, but um, I, I did select them, so I think my fan vote worked last year. And then your celebrity judges this year, you have some big athletes, don't you? We do. We're really excited. Matt Beasler from Sporting Kansas City will be a judge, and Trent Green, and then we also have Danny O'Neill from The Roastery, and Debbie Gold, who is also a James Beard award-winning chef, will be judging the ribs this year. And Josh Rowland from Lead Bank, and they are our lead sponsor this year. Yeah, I read about that. So Lead Bank is one of your sponsors. You also have uh, Joe's Barbecue and Kansas City Barbecue, uh, other yes. individuals like Children's Mercy, Garney's uh, Construction, and there's just a list and list of on or of uh, supporters and sponsors for you, isn't there? 
We have been very fortunate with people are very excited about this event. It's a very fun event, and I think a lot of people that have supported CPC for a really long time are excited to see us do something that's kind of thinking outside of the box in the charity circle and giving them an opportunity to be a part of something that's uh, really fun and kind of lets people know who we are, too. So. It is It is really fun. Um, we're talking to Lisa Meisel from the Child Protection Center on the Cook for Courage event. You got the... Um, it's on the Twelfth Street Bridge, and yeah, in, in, in the West Bottom. How how did you guys come up with that? Like that, that's such a great, cool space and place to have the event. How how did that come about? You know, it was really just serendipity when we were brainstorming on how to how to pull this event off and how to make it work. We knew we wanted a space that was maybe a little edgier and different and learned that you can actually get the permits to shut down the 12th Street Bridge and thought that would just be a fabulous venue. It also affords us the opportunity to continue to grow the event because the bridge will hold thousands of people if we ever, you know, get big enough to use the entire space. So Mm -hmm. it just was a really, it's a really cool venue. We love it down there. And we love being in the bottoms and the West Bottoms and having all of that vibe that uh, goes with being down there. Did you guys... uh... Uh, have so far a, a pretty big uh, uh, increase in so far in, in uh, attendance as far as expectation from last year since this is the second year? Well, we're trying to be really careful and not overwhelm ourselves because we think we have the potential to grow this into being a really big event. Last year we had a little over 300 people there. This year we're hoping to have 400 people there. The tickets between now and the event on the 31st, I expect to go very, very fast. Last year, we had targeted 300. We turned people away at 325 because mm-hmm. we, we were sold out. We wouldn't have had enough food to feed everyone. So this year we made sure we have enough food to feed at least 400 or four and a quarter. So we're hoping that's kind of where we'll grow to the second year. And also, Lisa, you do uh, you do have beer from Boulevard. I remember last year, which was very good as well. And, and you we had some whiskeys there you could test and try. Oh, my God, were those ever good. <laughs> uh, Ryan Maybe is going to be back again this year preparing a signature drink for everyone. Last year he used uh, bourbon from Dark Horse Distillery and made this really delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. He smoked the bourbon, and it was delicious. So um, I don't know what he's come up with yet this year, but I'm sure it will be equally well, wonderful. He is a uh, contributor to this show, so we love we love that he's involved. Um, give our listeners a uh, opportunity to find out more about this event. Where do they go? What time is it going to be? on May 31st, and how do they get tickets? Patrons Party starts at 5. Uh, to attend a Patrons Party, it's $150. To attend the event, it's $100. You can buy tickets on our website at cpckc.org. And uh, after the Patrons Party, the regular event starts at 6 o'clock. And that, so is on s- that is on Sunday, May 31st? Correct. And are there plenty of tickets still available right now, Lisa? We have plenty of tickets available. I do caution everybody. Last year, once everything got rolling, we sold out very quickly. So mm-hmm. if you want, we had people calling, literally begging for a ticket to get into the event the day of the event. So don't wait until the last minute. Make sure you buy your ticket early. That's great. Well, uh, Lisa Meisel, thanks for coming on Grill Nation today to talk about the Child Protection Center and all the great work you do, as well as the Cook for Courage event, which will take place on May 31st at the 12th Street Bridge in the West Bottoms. Guys, this is an event that you won't want to miss. It's uh, it's one of the cooler, unique events here in Kansas City, and it supports a great cause. Lisa, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. We'll talk to you again soon. Well, Andrew, are you going to go to this? It's going to be huge. Uh, barbecue and booze, yeah, I, I won't miss that. <laughs> For a good cause, yeah. you can't. And the chefs are so great, so I'm looking forward to going out there. Well, and, you know, the CPC is an amazing organization. I, I think people maybe overlook the importance of having a safe place for kids to, to tell stories that are not stories that any of us really want to hear. So it, it's amazing what they do for the community. Very cool. We'll be right back on Grill Nation after the break. Thanks for listening. Running down the street like your hair's on fire Thoughts running fast like a man Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining me. Um, I appreciate all the grill friends and grill mates out there listening today. Our next guest has now to- coined the term grill mates. We, has, we have Chris Colperson in studio. Uh, he is a risk consultant at Creative Planning Risk Services. Uh, he also is an entrepreneur 
and uh, we got connected through socks. So there you go, Chris. There's the introduction. How are you today? I'm doing well. I appreciate that. Uh, the uh, the uh, mutual uh, colleague of ours in the entrepreneurial world said that you were a sock man, and we I'm a sock man, obviously. And next thing led to another. We met at coffee at Thalmaist, and I uh, thought you'd be a great guest to have on Grill Nation. So thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Glad to be here. I, uh, at the time, was reaching out. Uh, trying to find some good ideas for Christmas gifts for my clients. There you and go. So that's kind of what spurred it, and that's when I kind of made the connection. It ended up being after Christmas by the time we got together, but yeah, for now, sure. Now we got it set up for next year. So oh, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we got a, we got we sock one one. You know, we do all the great things for you need for socks and custom socks, right? So there you go. Um, tell me about your background, what you do in uh, Kansas City, Chris. Well, currently I work for Creative Planning and the Property Casualty Insurance side of the business. So. We work with uh, businesses trying to analyze their risk and help them transfer that risk through purchasing insurance coverage or uh, reducing that risk through contractual liability, whatever it might come into play. Um, on top of that, Creative Planning also has an employee benefits department, 401k department, and what we're most well known for is actually the personal wealth management side of the firm and estate planning. Really? So, and, mm-hmm. and how do we connect with that, uh, your company? Well, uh, a lot of different ways. Uh, Peter Malouk is actually the owner of the wealth management side, mm-hmm. and he has been on a lot of national uh, television, radio shows. He is ranked number one by Barron's uh, Top 100 Independent Advisors Nationwide, also by CNBC. Uh, so he's got a lot of exposure out there. Uh, on the property casualty side, employee benefit side, we keep having great years, uh, double-digit growth, but it's not nowhere near keeping up <laughs> with what he's doing on on that side of the coin. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so you're an entrepreneur too. You've had Absolutely. some interesting entrepreneurial stories throughout your career, haven't you? What have you uh, What have you learned throughout your journey? And what What tell us about some of those? Absolutely, um, I've learned a lot. Uh, I guess. We'd probably need a lot more time if we actually wanted to go <laughs> through all of the the failures and such. But always just kind of had that bug. Um, and really, it, it started uh, while I was in college, connected up with some other guys who had uh, uh, who had started their own businesses. At the time, they were doing web development, started doing some sales for them, kind of got onto the tech side of things. Uh, right when I graduated college, uh, connected up with uh, one of my best friend's dads, who's kind of like a second dad to me and mentor uh, still currently, uh, was looking to start a company. It was a web-based health and wellness resource company. Uh, sold as an employee benefit to try and encourage employees to be more active and live in healthier lifestyles, drive down uh, health insurance costs. Uh, so I jumped on board with that. Uh, that was back in beginning of 2006 mm-hmm. uh, called kcfit.net. Sure. Uh, really interesting, fun, started from the ground up, so really kind of built the structure of the website, had to collect all the data and then try and go out and and build a provider network and actually sell it to marketing and sales to companies exactly you were doing it all man <laughs> that's what it all comes and down that's to that's kind of what you're doing now obviously so you've that helped you in your in your way yes absolutely that's what, kind of what helped bridge the gap but uh um what is this sun salon sun salon is actually my wife's company so okay. uh, I, I try to help out as much as i can but she's the owner operator there um formerly so part you, of a so franchise but it's a tanning salon okay you're also a uh so that's very entrepreneurial. Absolutely. That's cool. So She's you, got you, it you as married well. an entrepreneur too. <laughs> um, I will say this. You are a Mizzou, Mizzou grad, uh, graduated in three and a half years. I think you might be the only person that's ever gone to Mizzou and graduated in three and a half years. <laughs> that's true. That's probably true. Yes. It was too much fun for you. You had to, uh, you had to leave early. I knew that if I didn't get out of there then, I don't know if I ever would have. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you're a Blue Springs guy. I went to Blue Springs High School. Uh, you're very involved with uh, the Rotary there, as well as the you know Rotary International and different organizations in in Blue Springs. Tell us about that and your involvement in the community, and talk to me about what's going on there with uh, the high school or in the education uh, with entrepreneurship. Absolutely, um, really involved with community. Absolutely love giving back. Um, Rotary has been just a Absolutely great organization to be a part of. Met a lot of great people through there. Um, I do a lot between Blue Springs and Lee Summit. Uh, Eastern Jackson County tends to be um, where a lot of my connections are, my networks are, and that's where I do a lot of stuff. Um, the one you were talking about as far as the high schools, the education piece, uh, through the Blue Springs 
Economic Development Corporation, the EDC out there, they've got a platform called Grow Blue Springs. Uh, essentially, it's an online platform that entrepreneurs can go through or business owners that are looking to kind of take that next step. And it helps them from a um, business planning standpoint. Uh, it also ties in with the University of Central Missouri's small business um, college where they actually do some consulting with them. Uh, and through that platform, we've tried to extend it out to the school district to see how we can help and engage the students in Blue Springs um, who have great ideas. I mean, in high school now, they have marketing classes. They have entrepreneur classes. Um, they've got a, a program out there called Project Lead the Way where they have engineers actually trying to develop new products. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing what they're doing. So. Uh, we extended that platform out. Uh, this year was the second year that we did it where we actually had presentations from high school kids that had come up with their own business ideas. Some of them often run in a little bit, other ones more in the early planning stages, still trying to do patent searches and figure out you know, the direction that they needed to go or where they could fit in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, had, I believe it was 12 different groups present to us this year. And through the EDC, actually awarded $1,000 scholarships to the participants, to the students that won, as well as $3,000 of actual cold hard cash to go towards them launching their business or growing their business. And that's, that's through the yeah, that's through the uh, UCM business program where they they actually have to work with those coaches. It has to be something that's going towards their business in order to get their hands on that cash, but. I, I haven't heard of anything else like that. It's it's pretty cool to to actually be able to put money on the table for, for entrepreneurs. Sure. So uh, Eastern Jack, things are happening out there. They are. We like to think so, at least. Yeah, that's an area <laughs> of Kansas City I am probably the least knowledgeable about. I mean, as a Northland kid growing up in the Northland and kind of being involved now, I guess, in the corridor. Um, don't know as much. And I, you know, I dated a girl that lived grew up in Johnson County, so that get, got my fill of. Uh, of Leewood, I guess you would say. Uh-huh. I know what 119th Street Town Center, all that park <laughs> place, all that, all that nice stuff out there is. But Eastern Jack, I uh, besides driving down I-70 to Jefferson City when I was in the legislature, or <laughs> going to Mizzou games, or driving to St. Louis, you know, I, I've I've rarely kind of gotten involved. But it's great to hear that your neck of the woods, I guess, is is doing some great stuff with businesses, entrepreneurship, high schools, uh, and whatnot. So. It is, yeah. And, and Brian Starner's the um, president of the. EDC out there in Blue Springs, and a lot of credit goes to him because he realized that trying to attract companies to move from the Northland or Lee Summit or Overland Park to Blue Springs, they're going to turn around and do the same thing a couple years later. Or, you know, Lee Summit's trying to take Blue Springs companies, and we weren't going anywhere. So trying to focus on that entrepreneurship and actually growing new businesses in the community as a long-term plan is really going to be more effective than, than trading companies back and forth across city lines. So Very cool. Chris Culverson, you're a great entrepreneur and have a great company and do a lot of great things in uh, the Kansas City area. We can connect with you at uh, Creative Planning Risk Services um, and uh, on LinkedIn. Chris Culverson does have a good LinkedIn page. There you go. Oh, I probably need to update. I know I need to update my picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, we need to get that updated for you. Um, yes. Thanks for coming on Grill Nation Day. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Glad to be a grill mate. Hopefully we'll meet some more grill mates in the future. I can't wait, buddy. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for listening. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill, alongside guest co-host and contributor to Grill Nation and Grill National, Andrew Bash from the Bash Real Estate Group. Bash, how are you today? I'm awesome. How are you doing, bro? I just called you Bash. We've had some great time off, off air today. What's up, Grill? Um, I want to thank our listeners for listening on the KMBZ Business Channel, 16, 6 a.m. and on KMBZ.com. I want to thank you as well for connecting via Twitter with me, at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation. Also on GrillNationShow.com, where all of our podcasts are listed, our photos are put up from each show, and we have information about all of our weekly guests. Thanks for joining us again today, and we've had fun so far. Very excited about our next interview. We have um, one of our Grill Nationals and Grill contributors to Grill Nation, uh, Danny Pfeiffer, who is the 
owner of Catalyst. He is a guru in government affairs and government relations work in Missouri, uh, Kansas, as well as on a national scale in Washington, D.C. and throughout the country with various clients. And um, wanted to have him on the show today to talk about what's going on uh, in Missouri, as well as some in Kansas, and maybe we'll get into some D.C. stuff, too. But it is the last week of legislative session in Missouri, which for all those listeners who don't know, is it's chaotic. So we're, we're lucky to have Danny on the uh, Grill Nation line here from the Missouri Capitol. Welcome to the show, Danny. Hey, guys. Great to be on today. So Andrew and I were talking. You know, Andrew is, is, isn't as well-versed in politics as I'd like for a, a contributor to Grill Nation. But, That's uh, <laughs> really nice. I really appreciate that. I also can't read, which is a part of the problem to have me on the show. But that's fine. Keep going. Well, let, let me just say, let me just say, as a client of, of Andrew Bash's, I prefer that he be well versed in real estate than politics. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, so Danny, you're down in Missouri right now. Uh, last week's session is hectic with bills getting thrown around, passed, dying, whatnot. One of the things that's happening today in Jefferson City, or this week actually, is the right to work in the Senate. Tell us about what that is and, and what it means for Missouri and how it, why it came up in this last week. Sure, sure. It's been a it's been a um, interesting and dynamic legislative session in Jefferson City, and as you alluded, we're in our uh, final week adjourned Friday at six p.m. You remember what that's like from your time, yeah, um, in the cap in the Capitol. It's not rare that uh, usually in the last week more contentious efforts tend to come up in the legislature um, for a lot of reasons. One, because they require a tremendous amount of work. Two, uh, because sometimes they have the, the propensity to uh, halt progress on all other issues um, that are important to people. Um, and that, that's certainly the case with right to work. Uh, right to work has been contentiously debated over the last couple of years in Missouri. The Republicans, obviously, big proponents and loud or uh, laudatory in regards to the benefits of right to work and the economic potential, economic impact that it could have on the state in terms of um, attracting and creating jobs, as it has done uh, in, in some neighboring states. Democrats, obviously, are um, very critical of uh, limiting organized labor's ability to negotiate um, workers' contracts on behalf of organized um, workers. And there's a the great debate around, um, whether or not the, the long-standing uh, tenets of organized labor's role in doing that uh, should be uh, violated by the passage of that. Um, so it, it has been, as we as noted, very contentious. And I think, you know, Jason, you and I have talked about this. It, it plays into the larger question of what is the role of the state in terms of economic development? Is this good economic development policy? And is it the kind of economic, de- uh, economic development policy that we want to pursue as a state, um, and particularly when you look around at the economic engines in, in Kansas City in particular, in St. Louis, but Kansas City more specifically, hotbed of entrepreneurialism, um, hotbed of innovation, technology, jobs being created, um, and how does this fit with that? Probably not very well. Yeah, that's right. And um, it, for to bring this issue up in the last week of session, you know, the Republicans, I guess, feel like, is it veto proof? Are they? Are the governor is going to veto it? Obviously, if it passes in the Senate and the House, can they override his veto on that? Uh, probably not. If they were, you know, they, they're they're likely to vote in the Senate today. The bill's already passed the House. Uh, it will go to the governor. He will veto it. Um, and then the question is, can they muster uh, enough votes, both in the Senate and in the House? They need a supermajority of votes mm-hmm. uh, to override that veto. And the reality is, today, probably not. Uh, the interesting, it's an interesting question because it doesn't have to happen this week. Uh, it has to happen by veto session, which you know mm-hmm. will occur later this, later this fall. And so the proponents of right to work will have uh, about three months to work members of the House and the Senate um, to maybe prevail upon them to vote differently than they did before. But if you look at the vote on the bill in the House and you look at the vote likely today in the Senate, it will likely not garner enough votes. In, it did not in the House and will likely not garner enough votes in the Senate to be overridden. So, so the proponents will have to uh, convince some folks over the summer to change their vote and to vote a different way in it, order to override the governor's veto. And, Danny, real quickly on that note, that's why it's kind of interesting to me that they're bringing it up. You know, if they think that it's it's at the end of the day it's going to get not going to get the supermajority, I guess, then I guess it's on the governor, huh? They'll throw it back to the governor and say, hey, why'd you do this? So. <laughs> Right, yeah, it is, it's a good question and one that we've asked many times. I think, you know, there's the constant tension, as you know, from serving in the legislature between 
um, the the quote unquote special interests who have a, an agenda related to this kind of legislation and 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 and, and legislators and public policy falls in between them often. That's right. And some, sometimes things don't always happen in the best interest of either or in the best interest of public policy. So, Danny, right now, like today, are you working the Senate to try to get the votes to go ahead and have it pass the Senate, or are you already looking forward to the override? <laughs> well, today, I actually represent uh, clients who are opposed this legislation. See, and that's we something we working, want to mention too uh, to our listeners is Danny is uh, one of his clients is is opposed. So we, we probably should have made that clear at the beginning of the interview. <laughs> yeah, in the full disclosure. So we've been working against this piece of legislation uh, the duration of the session. Um, Danny, tell us about this session. I know it's. I mean, I've I do a lot of public affairs work too, and kind of been following along. Obviously, as a former legislator, but. It seems as if, you know, it started off with we're going to do stuff to address Ferguson, issues in Ferguson that happened. We're going to we're going to address this court reform with municipal tickets and whatnot. Uh, you know, we've seen the welfare bill get, um, you know, vetoed and then overrode. I mean, so are those the top issues? I mean, what else do we see? Is there anything else to report? Yeah, it's been a relatively quiet legislative session, to be honest. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the um, of the Ferguson reforms and they, that we had they have passed municipal court reform. Um, which was a serious issue and one taken, you know, they spent quite a bit of time on, uh, school transfer, uh, mm-hmm. issue, uh, particularly important to the larger cities, uh, Kansas City and St. Louis, uh, something that they've addressed this session. There's been some minor work on economic development, which we talked about in, or a little bit earlier, um, they passed a data center tax credit, uh, bill that creates a very nice, uh, incentive package for, uh, data centers in the state, which is important to the Kansas City region. Um, and they work through the budget pretty early, which you know takes a lot of time. But otherwise, it's been a very quiet um, legislative session. I would assume, besides the um, flurry of activity today around this issue, will probably end that way. Right. And contrary to that, on the Kansas side, it's been it's been a lot different. There's all kinds of issues going on, obviously, with the budget deficit. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how that turns out with how they end up finding the the money to pay for the budget deficit, whether it's through hodgepodge of different tax raises or through curbing back some of the business tax incentives that were were made in 2012, 2013 in Kansas. Plus, we saw the whole thing with Uber in Kansas, and right. you know the governor was supportive, and then they, the legislature overrode him, and then Kansas, they lose Uber. So it's like, over in Kansas, I feel like it's just, it's a lot more, maybe that's because we're in Kansas City, but it, you just hear a ton more about it right now. No, I think you're right. I think it's not It's not even that you're just hearing more. It's because there's more going on. It's been much more dynamic. Obviously, you point out um, the, um, the the reformation of the tax code in Kansas over the last few years has created some challenges in regards to the budget that have been difficult to overcome. Um, and I'm not sure that there's a clear path this year or in subsequent years forward in regards to how to resolve that and something the legislature is certainly uh, going to continue to grapple with. Um, there have been a, a couple of other dust-ups on other issues, like you mentioned Uber, one you and I talked about last time I was on the show, um, and one that I've been involved in on behalf of Uber uh, with a very unfortunate um, result that has led to Uber leaving Kansas for now, um, but hopeful that that, will be, uh, that can be resolved um, sometime in the future. But certainly a much more high – making national news in that state, again, making national news in that regard. Right. Um, so – um, yeah, very dynamic session in, 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 in Topeka this year. Um, Andrew, do you have anything on the budget in Kansas or any questions on that? Uh, no, I was just thinking about with the budget. Uh, I know a lot of parents are excited about summer being extended for the kids, which is fun with uh, not enough money to run the schools. So. A whole host Danny, of people are leaving public schools because they want a full three months of summer and not six months of summer. But that's okay. That's for another time, I'm sure. Uh, Danny, uh, what's going on with the uh, with the tax? I guess tax cuts. I guess in Missouri. I mean, I know those passed in the Senate. I know it was um, Senator Schmidt's bill. I mean, Missouri is 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 taking steps to lower taxes, but they're not doing it all at once like Kansas, right? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, Missouri's taking a more major approach and kind of looking at Kansas as a, a, a bit of a, a laboratory or an experiment, if you will, in regards to whether or not it can work economically. Kansas, Missouri has a significantly bigger budget, um, as you know, Jason. I mean, I mean, we have a $26 billion a year annual budget in the state um, that is, uh, and it's very difficult, it would be very, very difficult for the state to absorb the kind of loss in revenue uh, as a percentage that Kansas has. And so I think, 
there's been a lot of activity on tax policy and tax reduction in the state, um, a lot of uh, which, uh, you know, and, and, but, but, but very only a couple of bills in the last two years that have actually passed and become law. And I think that's, you know, I think that's sort of intentional. Um, again, taking a very measured um, look at, you know, what is good, uh, what, what is really good public policy in this regard. And, I mean, I think we'll continue to see more bills filed and considered, but um, I, I would guess that this legislature will continue to keep a watchful eye on Kansas and how, how things are playing out there, as, frankly, a lot of states around the country are. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have Danny back on the show, Andrew, in, in June to recap what actually happened in Missouri and Kansas. Danny, we have about a minute and 45 seconds left here. We're talking to Danny Pfeiffer, the uh, Grill Nation contributor on political and government issues and owner of Catalyst. What um, what do you think is going to happen here, I guess, with these elections? I mean, can you give our listeners an update? I know in Missouri, everyone cares about the governor's race, and there's like – a clown car. No, I shouldn't say that. There's not a clown car, but there's a lot of uh, – that's on the national level, Andrew. There's a clown car Republicans that are going to run for president. But um, on the local level, on the state level, there's there seems to be a new Republican announcing they're going to run for governor almost weekly. Yeah, the governor's race on the Republican side has really become uh, – Danny, are you running? I'm Just so everybody else says, I thought I'd ask if you were going to run. Grill, <laughs> are you running? I, no. I am. I am not. But I'll endorse Chase and Grill if he runs. <laughs> that would be awesome if Grill ran as a. In fact, I'll write. I'll write the first check. I'll write the first check. <laughs> okay, I'll do second. You got. You got. There's so many other people running. He's actually. He got. He's got a shot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's what? There's no, how the many people running? Number, yeah, there. There are five or six. I think people now either who have announced their candidacy or announced an exploratory committee to run. The clock is ticking. I mean, you know, we are uh, in the throes now of the cycle. And I think you're going to see in the next month or two um, a few more people make that make a final decision about whether or not to get in. But you have uh, you know a good number. Right. I, think, I think we're at five five or six, and it's going to create it's creating a very interesting uh, dynamic in that race. Uh, and and as you know, Democrats do not have a primary, so right. it's going to create quite quite a challenge. I think for Republicans um, come uh, the general election uh, next fall to have, you know, uh, this kind of contentious, heated primary um, and end up, as you know, we have a, a, a right. primary in Missouri. So we'll sure. finish in all, uh, they, they run in August and they have to run again in, you know, in November. And uh, it, it makes it difficult to come out beaten up from a primary with no money uh, to, to beat someone who has no opponent. But, but we'll see how it shakes up. Uh, Danny, thanks for coming on Grill Nation Day. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for stepping out with your busy life down there in uh, Jefferson City today and uh, coming on the show and appreciate all your insight. All right, guys. Take care, Danny. Danny Pfeiffer, the yeah. Grill Nation government affairs contributor and great guy. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm Jason Grill alongside Andrew Bash. For our final segment today, thanks for joining us on the KMBZ Business Channel, 1660 AM, and on KMBZ.com. Also, appreciate you listening to our podcasts on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Final segment today, we're going to get into more of a, um, I don't know if you want to call it a a depressing issue, but a a very important issue with financing. Uh, We uh, are lucky to have Carrie Silverman in studio, who is the Chief Executive Officer at Waldo general inc welcome to the show thanks for having me appreciate it um one of the things that's going on right now first off is we're going to get into later on is student loan um student loans worsening people owing more in debt and whatnot but first before we get into that let's talk about kind of what you do and your company does i know you're an entrepreneur but what is waldo general yeah uh waldo general is a management company here in kansas city missouri and we manage other businesses um most of them are in the consumer finance industry. Um, you know, we uh, have a business we manage. It's a brick-and-mortar consumer finance business. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a call center and software development company um, that outsources its services for, um, you know, uh, call center, customer service, that type of stuff. And then, obviously, um, software development that's focused on the call center business as well. And so this, this has been around for almost, what, 25 years? Uh, so Paul is actually my dad, and he started Waldo General in 91. Okay. And he started out of the need 
Um, he, I mean, he saw a need to have a management company not only to manage his own businesses but to help, um, you know, uh, use those resources where other people could come to him and say, hey, I need some help with this, that, and the other. And that's really where Waldo General came from. That's interesting. And the website for that is waldogeneral.com. Um, talk to us about what you do with on the financing into things because I think that's real interesting, and we're going to get into that uh, more in the future in this in this interview. So uh, my role, you know, each of our businesses have their own CEO, and um, they kind of run independent of one another. But my role is kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to the various businesses that we manage. Whatever the businesses need, um, you know, I will uh, work with them. And most of that is on the technology side and the analytics side. Mm. Now, all of our businesses, um, like I said, focus on consumer finance. So we're talking lending money to consumers. Um, and that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a big business in today's world. And I don't think people realize how big it really is. Yeah. And oftentimes borrowers, uh, are obviously overextended or mis- misguided. And, and you guys try to educate them as well. I think, uh, the second part, what you just said is probably the biggest, uh, issue that we find, um, with borrowers is that they're misguided. And, um, all of our companies, uh, make a, an extreme effort to make sure that the, the consumers know what they're getting into, know the financial responsibility um, that comes with borrowing money, and I mean, we do everything we can to make sure they know what they're getting into. Um, and one of well, one of those things is there's a lot of borrowers right now and a lot of debt when it comes to student loan. Um, you've seen over the past twenty of the past two years, there's a stat that you've noticed that twenty percent of all customers are college age graduates and. There's also a 73% higher default rate. These are, This was from the New York Times. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York also had a press release that came out about this. I mean, talk to us about that. And, and you guys obviously work with a lot of college, very young graduates, right? Yeah, so uh, we kind of classify the college-age demographics of 18 to 24-year-olds. Okay. Um, you know, obviously that's not a, a steadfast uh, number there, but that's pretty good uh, range of age that we can classify. And um, that's an, in, it's increasing. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, what's more, um, surprising to us, I guess, than anything else is the lack of, um, financial savviness that these, uh, borrowers have. Um, and, uh, you know, when you talk about like student loan debt, you know, we aren't in the student, um, lending business or student loans. We don't, we don't provide student loans, but we keep up with the general, you know, economy and things that are happening within it. And, you know, like you you said, there was an article out uh, recently about student loan debt that's increasing, uh, something like one point sixteen trillion dollars of student loan debt. Um, you know, just last year alone, seventy seven billion dollars new uh, loan debt was uh, you know occurred. And when we talk about loan debt, we're talking about these are loans that are past due. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're seeing similar trends in our own businesses as well with that generation. And I think what it really comes down to is lack of education on on you know what smart borrowing means. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do anything to help your clients with smart borrowing? Or yeah, so um, you know we we can't uh, we can't control what our borrowers do, okay? Um, but we can do everything we can to educate them and guide them down the right path. And so um, when they take out a loan, they'll get a documentation that uh, it's. It, it may seem simple, but in all reality, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, what uh, what consumer group you're in. A lot of consumers don't do this, and it's simple budgeting. And so with every loan that, uh, you know, a consumer takes out, they get a form that, you know, lays out the main categories of a consumer's life and what expenses are there, and they can fill it in. And I mean, it, it, it's surprising to me the number of people that don't have a simple budget for their daily life. So, like, for your company, what you guys do, what would a typical size loan be? Well, they vary. They go up to $3,000. So they're okay. smaller dollar loans for sure. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that we are uh, looking to expand into is larger dollar loans. And part of the reason we're looking to do that is with the federal regulation that's going into place on traditional banks, a lot of consumers that traditionally would be able to go to a bank aren't able to do that anymore. And so what we're seeing is we call the bottom 20% of, of consumers that go to like a Bank of America or U.S. Bank or whatever – they go to get a loan from those banks, and those banks are saying, unfortunately, we can't give you one right now. Mm-hmm. And so they have nowhere else to go except for a company like you know ours. Right. And so um, those customers are uh, 
you know, for the most part, seeking larger dollar amount loans than just three thousand dollars. Yeah, and you were talking to about <clears throat> education. Um, do you have any specific maybe do's or don'ts or tips you would give to someone before applying for a loan? Well, uh, first thing we always tell everyone is make sure that what you're borrowing for is a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's a want and not a need, uh, you should probably think it over again. Gosh, I wish I'd met you before the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> That's Andrew Bass for you, everybody. Okay. Well, actually, I wish my wife had met you before the <laughs> show. I'm fine. It's her. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a want or a need. That's one thing. Anything else we should we should look at? They, we want to make sure they understand the terms, what commitment they're making. Um, you know, so many people are saying, oh, well, I need this money for X. But they don't understand what it's going to take to pay that money back. And, um, I mean, honestly, they've got to understand it because that kind of goes hand in hand with the budget. If they don't understand what kind of financial commitment they're making, their budget isn't going to be meaningful to them. And chances are they're going to default on their loan or miss a payment. And I think that's like similar to the student loan debt uh, crisis that we see right now. We have a bunch of borrowers that are getting, you know, borrowing money without understanding what it's taking to pay it back. Yeah, we're seeing mortgages also go up, Andrew. Um, with debt and mortgages. You know? uh, well, you know, it's funny from the housing perspective, we're right back in it. You know, uh, after the meltdown in 2008, everybody started talking about, um, they went from what's my payment, what's my payment, and not caring about what the value of the home was. And then for about four years, it was all about, I don't want to overpay, I don't want to overpay, I don't want to overpay. And now we're right back into, I want that house, I don't care what I'm paying for it, which is, you know. Great for your business. It is, but it also is not good long term because it creates uh, it creates the opportunity to have another meltdown from a. Now, uh, Andrew, I have a I have a question because being in real estate, you can probably have better insight on this than I would. You know, I foresee there being a serious issue with you know that eighteen to twenty four year old demographics, all these student loan debt. When they go to buy a house, they're not going to be able to. Well, you know, it's funny. I met with two guys this week that. Uh, have really good paying jobs and probably could be approved for, I don't know, four, four fifty. And they're buying houses that are two, two fifty because of the, uh, I would ask like, why, why are we, uh, staying in this world when we could be up a little bit higher? And they said student loans have got enormous amounts of student loans. I've come across a lot of millennials that have just immense amounts of student loans. I, mean, I think it's scary of what the housing market's going to do, you know, in the next, you know, three to five years. Mm-hmm. I think it's very scary. Um, we're talking to Carrie Silberman from Waldo General Inc. Carrie, um, you're an entrepreneur as well. What does that, uh, what has that journey been like? I know you've got a couple other businesses you've, you started uh, at a young age and you started being an entrepreneur at a very young age. Yeah. You know, um, my very first business, I started age nine, um, <laughs> and I sold it 13 years later as a lawn and landscaping business. Yeah. And, you know, nothing fancy, right? Just a neighborhood, uh, boy pushing the lawnmower around the neighborhood. But you had a, I mean, that was a, pretty big organization that you grew that into how many uh employees and how many yeah, well, like, we, my sold it we had 1700 accounts that i sold it that's uh, awesome yeah so that was um you know that was a lot of fun um that and i think that's really where i learned a lot of the skills that um i use in business today in terms of doesn't matter you know age size nothing matters you know i mean i went into it with no money and uh you know, it's just a lot of hard work, and I just keep trying until we get it right, and eventually we'll, we'll get it right. That's a lot. And that was in Kansas City? Uh, it was Kansas City. I grew up in the Waldo neighborhood. Mm. And you went to Rockhurst? Rockhurst High School, yeah. St. Pius the 10th here. We have a, uh, a, a Pim Hill guy here as well. But it's, we'll, it's Pembroke Hill. Pim- I mean, I've never <laughs> called, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. And then you obvi- obviously started a couple other businesses when you were in college, I read about. Yeah, so, uh, do my, we still have the popcorn? The, I still have that business, yeah. How's that doing? Let's talk about that. You know, I'm not focusing on that right now. It's right. still up and running, but it's, I'm not ba- making a big push for it. Um, that was, you know, from the lawn business, I really transitioned more towards technology driven businesses. Mm-hmm. And, um, popcorn's one of them. And you wouldn't think that technology and popcorn go hand in hand, but they really do. Well, at least I made it go hand in hand. Um, <laughs> What I ended up doing is taking uh, my experience with technology and selling popcorn over the Internet. Um, there was a period of time we were selling about 3,000 bags of popcorn a day, and we had zero retail locations. It was 100% online-based. It was 100% being shipped directly from the factory. Um, and it was flavored popcorn, right? Like alcohol-flavored popcorn? It's all beer and cocktail-flavored popcorn. <laughs> that That's is exactly awesome. Right. That's yeah. an interesting idea. It really is. Um, so that, that flourished. 
Yep, that did pretty well. I mean, I was in college when that was up and running full swing ahead. And I mean, uh, I, I was hiring college students and we were boxing popcorn up. Uh, I mean, it <laughs> seems like 24 of- hours a day. But. <laughs> what kind of revenue does something like that generate? You know, on the popcorn, it, it's really inexpensive. So it's kind of like what I say, the Walmart theory. You got to sell a heck of a lot of popcorn to gotcha. make it worth it. Um, and for like a while, 3,000 I mean, bags a day. I mean, we <laughs> were selling unreal. a lot of popcorn. That's um, unreal. Um, Carrie Silverman, one of the segments we have here is putting people on the grill. Grill Nation, we play off the name here. Um, let's have a quick, few quickies here. Uh, you are an entrepreneur. What, what is what is the? I've noticed in your bio you talk about Kaufman a lot. You and Kaufman, but what is kind of the best advice you've ever received throughout your journey as an entrepreneur? Um, no substitute for hard work. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um. What is so that that kind of goes into my second question, which would have been, what was your top thing you would tell a, a young entrepreneur in Kansas City? Uh, just do what you want to do, and you know, if someone tells you no, uh, let that drive you to want to do it even more. Um, what is your favorite startup of all time? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I had a uh, website I still own, where it's, uh, doing some maintenance on it right now, called GradeGenie.com, uh-huh. and um, that was probably the most fun. Uh, because uh, it was the most edgy when it comes to the public's perception of what it was. And um, it's uh, a site for students to share notes and study material um, uh, for the college. Why is it edgy? Because others it kind of think of it as maybe... Cheating. Uh, oh, that word, yeah. You know, uh, Jay Leno actually uh, did a little skit on it. And, oh, they, yeah, no and kidding? He, he was talking about it, and he said, you know, this new site and was saying what it did, and he goes... Didn't that used to be called cheating? Um, and I think that's kind of what that really the website. Yeah, he's got me. You guys got to look into Carrie. He's got a lot of pub. Carrie Silverman, um, CEO of Waldo General Inc. Thanks for coming on Grill Nation today. We got we got to get going here, but uh, really appreciate all your insight into finance and into entrepreneurship today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Grill Nation, Andrew Bash. Always a pleasure to have you in studio. Jason, thanks for having me. You uh, you kick some butt today as the guest co-host for sure. I appreciate. We'll that. see you again soon. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you later. Let's go.